Hi, and welcome to the Dewing Grain podcast. Dewing Grain are independent and local grade traders. From seed supply to harvest movement and storage contracts, they can offer you the best strategies to achieve the highest prices for your harvest. Each week on our podcast, we begin with the Dewing Grain Market Report, giving you up-to-date information and analysis, followed by Farm Chat, where we catch up on agricultural issues with a guest or two while sampling a beer. Andrew's favourite bit. So let's start with Andrew Dewing and this week's Market Report. Welcome to the Market Report. What follows are my thoughts or gut instincts on what the market is going to do. It is not an instruction to trade. Any decision to trade is yours. Market report for 22nd of March 2021. We've had a, we've had another really irritating rain this week. So years from now, when I listen back on, on all this stuff we've recorded, I shall I shall note the kind of the irritation in my voice about this. It's it's you know the, the sun is shining today. There's potentially some good weather in the next week, but we're getting a little bit you know it's not late yet, but there's an awfully large amount of work to be done on the field. So yeah, we are a little irritated with yet more rain. Anyway, effects on price in the last. Last week, there's been a big sell-off in stocks on oil in the bigger macro picture. And for a change, cereals and oil seeds have had a, had a good old pounding as well. So everything's come off in price. Is there a sea change? Is, is the world actually realising we've got too much stock and too much stuff going on? I don't think so. But it is certainly a, a, you know, a, quite a sobering knockback. So we'll start with oilseed rape, which uh, oh, crops down to the heady heights of 425. Yeah, not a lot to say about that. There's not really any left to trade. We've got all of our done now so whoever's got those last little bits uh, well done it is uh, it is the game you're playing new crop 350 which is probably a tenner off as i say oil has had a big sell-off the, the mood in the market has come down a bit we we can't see that as being logical on new crop we're, we're, we're very friendly to new crop prices we are aware of some big problems in some of the crops coming out of the winter not least you know the the frost and and the little the little creepy crawlies decide to eat the plant. So yeah, we're still friendly to that market, and our, our stance on that is still to sit with it. And we believe that price will go up. Moving on, feed barley has really had a pounding this week. That, that we have mentioned that it does tend to die a death when it gets later in the season, and largely that's what's happening. So the the market is probably down to I don't know 153x something like that. So so a good serious drop and and a, and a lack of interest, lack of people really giving a damn about buying it at the moment as far as we can see and there's the odd boat about which is about to sail but beyond that yeah it seems it seems to have done its thing so if you've still got feed barley left don't be proud get on with it new crop i don't know there's about a 20 pound discount to feed wheat on new crop and if you're moving at harvest time and you can secure a sort of 20 pound discount you're probably doing quite well because harvest is always a bit of a problem for getting barley moved so start thinking about that it also seems to be a crop that lots of farmers don't actually really well think about i suppose and they seem to turn up at harvest and go oh got some feed barley to sell and 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 there's always a, it always gets a bit more of a discount around harvest time so just for a change you could make a bit of planning about that and fix a price perhaps that's just a suggestion which leads on to wheat i've been very clear about my view of old crop wheat in the uk i think it's very tight we're finding it very hard to buy we have managed to buy from farm seven loads in the last seven days which is quite a nosebleed following that five loads off one farm the rest you know was just clear up loads that is the physical reality 
and farmers aren't that busy because of this recent rain so we're pretty confident we've we've done a recce on what we can find on farm and i'm quite certain those parcels of wheat have been considered by other merchants as well and it's very hard to buy but the market is falling down there's no buyers at the moment nobody's in the market there is some more buying to be done by consumption and people in the industry quite what they're waiting for i suppose you know a, a significant drop below 200 pounds a ton but at time of recording the futures have traded down to 198 and i think it looks reasonably well offered so x farm values are well and truly below the 200 mark that doesn't cheer everybody up and and i guess you know, I, I still think there's time. I still think there's a bit of an issue to come uh, during April and May when people come in to buy. There's not that much liquidity on the offer side, or so it appears. We shall see. Stocks are tight. I think this week, our Chinese friends who famously said they didn't have too small a harvest following the drought and the typhoon have come in to buy yet more corn, another 3 million tonnes or 2 point something million tonnes purchased in the week. That takes their imports up to, I think, somewhere 20 three or four million tonnes which their biggest ever imports previously is about seven or eight million tonnes so they obviously let's be generous say they they got their figures wrong or they didn't realise harvest was quite as bad as it was or on the other hand they didn't tell the truth the reality is that they have imported bucket loads more they did obviously did not produce 285 million tonnes as stated and next year when they say what their crop size is who's going to believe them so there are issues in China with swine flu uh, there's been some sort of government state saying that for food security they're going to start looking at other things grown internally to avoid importing so much soya and corn but that's just silly because you know what are they going to invent a new crop or and they can't maximize their production any further we don't think because we kind of they've, they've kind of gone up and up and up so dramatically over the last 20 years it's now plateauing out they seem to be stuck on 260 odd million tons of, of corn every year and if they wanted to reduce imports then they would be still increasing the production further so yeah and and while we're on the subject of kind of like misinformation the russians have announced this week bear in mind they're just coming out of winter and there is still cold weather and snow and what have you about have announced their crop of wheat is expected to be an extra three million tons of above their earlier estimates so they're talking about producing 79 million instead of 76 i don't think that's accurate i think it's just a statement that's made as a kind of thing to manipulate the market it doesn't have any relevance because you haven't got clear indications of what exactly is going on out there i'm sure someone will disagree with that but it just seems a bit early to be coming out with we're going to have a bigger harvest type statements now bearing in mind their peak production i think was a couple of years ago it's 86 million tons it's still lower than that yeah it's it's a it's a great time for let's uh, let's put out into the market what we think and then hope that the market goes the way we want it to it's called talking your book anyway i've got some really positive news this week's podcast is the second part of my conversation with toby Mermigan, which was thoroughly enjoyable but didn't involve any beer the really good news is that the podcast appeal of of uh, running dry in the office reached the ears of some sympathetic charity types and we'll uh, we'll be giving them lots of glory as we drink the beer but first things first david matthias our old mate he has sent us a whole crate of old hooky a very fabulous beer and we've already actually pre podcast stuck six of those away when we had a little chat after work the other day so yeah I, I will be talking about that beer and i'll be talking about david when it comes to his moment it probably in next week's podcast and then on top of that we received a second crate from andrew fundell of uh, brown and co who very very kindly sent us some welsh beer he's, he's proud of being welsh and started talking about the grand slam which got a bit boring but the point is he sent us 12 12 bottles of beer which all seem to be different bottles so we're going to have lots of weeks talking about them so thank you very much we're restocked and uh, and ready to go so that's the really great 
great positive news from doing grain this week. We've got lots of beer in stock. With that, I really do hope the sun shines. So have a great week. Thank you for listening. Please remember that any decision to trade on this opinion is yours. The Dewing Grain app will keep you updated with real-time industry news, data analysis and insights into the market, giving you all the information you need to make informed trading decisions. A commodity selling feature enables you to source prices and receive direct offer notifications informing you on what Dewing Grain are looking to buy and at what price. Search Dewing Grain on the App Store or Google Play to download and with all of these features in your pocket, you'll have more time to sit back and listen to our podcast. To set up a trading account with us, call 01263 731 550 or email info at And now it's time for Farm Chat. Right, here we are. We're back again with Toby. We haven't actually moved an inch, but it's such a good, long, healthy conversation. It's two episodes. So we're going to kind of move shortly on into the favourite subject of potatoes and talk about that properly. So welcome back, Toby. Nice to be here again, Andrew. So, you know, we're talking a lot about the general, you know, the farm, the farming, the decisions to make in the future. The backbone is potatoes. You felt we were going to start with that. Yeah. I mean, the, the dynamic of potatoes is why doesn't everybody all over the country grow potatoes? Well, it's a very specialist crop. Yeah. Without wanting to tell people how to suck eggs, I think a good place to start with that question possibly is looking at what's happened in recent history to potato growing. I think that 30 years ago, if my figures are roughly right. Yep. There were about 25,000 potato growers in the UK. I think there's now under 2,000. Right. So we've seen a huge consolidation. And the consolidation is cost of production? I, I guess that's a part of it, yeah. I, I think if you're a farmer growing crops on your farm and you're growing wheat and barley and, and you also grow some potatoes within your rotation, you're possibly not going to be big enough mm-hmm. to really make it work properly. Mm-hmm. So in order to afford the you know, the best and most efficient equipment, you need to be a bigger potato grower. I mean, surely the first place must be the soil. Your soil must... I mean, if you eat on clay, you, there can't be any clay potato growers, can there? No, correct. The, the soil... So sand, you get some of those because people chuck lots of water on it and it yeah. gets an early crop out. But the best land is sandy loam type. Yeah. You know, Norfolk is blessed with lots of good potato land. Yeah. Climate in Norfolk versus climate in, I don't know, the black country? You know, what? Well, ideally you need... Lots of rain, don't the, you? Well, yes, but not too much rain. That's the trouble. And so more potatoes tend to be grown in the east than in the west. Okay. Partly because they get a lot more rain in the west, which you'd think would be a good thing. But if you if it, it, it can get too wet to get them in the ground and get them out of the ground. Okay, so, uh, part so, of the reason why more are growing in the east is because we can control water. Yeah. So we can put water on when we need it, and then we can plant them and harvest in the dry. So the, 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 bulk, of the bulk of the spud growing is kind of the Fens, Lincolnshire, Norfolk. Yeah. I don't know what the proportions are across the country, no, but, but as I, I understand certainly it, there's lots of more potato growing in the east. Yeah. And of course, the soil has to be right, mm. so not too heavy, not too stony. Mm. And it suits the east and it suits Norfolk and a lot of potatoes. I'm totally grateful. It, it's given us some healthy, very good rotation you know, farms that, that adds to the quality and the spec of the following crop, subject to the land not being, you know, 
looking like the Somme in the in the last bit of November, whichever yeah. field you finish is not going to be your best yielding cereal, is it? It's going to yeah. just look mad. That's right. I mean, I think you know we, we, we're very fortunate. We farm in the land of milk and honey mm. in many ways. And I've got I've got several friends who live in other parts of the country who've been doing wheat and rape for God knows how long, and black grass is huge, and mm. they're don't know what to do and they now have to get out of Aussie rape and looking at all sorts of other break crops whereas in Norfolk we've we've had the rotation of potatoes uh, the choice of potatoes and sugar beet up till now mm. in our rotations and that served us very well I mean that's, it's, I've got to say there's a parallel with the quality of grain traders as well because you are in the land of milk and honey you're right <laughs> <laughs> there's you know there's some seriously dodgy types in the rest of the country who listen to this podcast so I hope you enjoyed that sorry gone off track so Potatoes as the cornerstone, because once you've decided to grow potatoes at a large scale, you've got to do it more than just what your farm, you know, you, you outsource land and you go to farms and say, can I hire yeah. your land? You know, I assume you have to treat that land really well in order for them to allow you to come back another year. That's, that's first and foremost. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, back to your question, why do some people grow potatoes and why don't others often if you haven't got enough land yourself in order to justify the equipment and getting to get to that sort of economies of scale hmm. uh, you've got to go elsewhere and so that then becomes a different dynamic to you as a farmer to have then have other relationships with other farmers and other landowners and persuade them to allow you to come into their land and grow potatoes and then you've got to pay them obviously a decent rent so that they're happy for you to be there but it's more than that you've got to look after them as well you've got to make sure you don't make a mess of their fields and get off in good time and well it's all about keeping them as a customer for the next year and the next year and the next year yeah because there must be other potato growers who are quite happily looking for spare potato land with their empires, once they've decided to do, empire's the right phrase, once they've decided to grow potatoes, you have to have a, a scale because you've got very expensive equipment and very expensive storage. Storage is, you know, it's, it's like grain storage plus a bit, isn't it? Yeah, it is indeed. And I think having your own storage is certainly a strength as a potato grower and uh, we've been slowly building our you know the amount of storage that we have and it adds strength to what we do and it allows us to put our locally grown potatoes into our locally grown stores Mm -hmm. as opposed to sending off to factories which you know is not as efficient as putting it in store yeah i mean that i mean as a as anyone selling a product selling something when everyone harvests it is obviously the the weakest point at which you you are a weaker seller aren't you so anyone who gains control of storage you either do it thoroughly properly you don't just have an old nissan shed and bung five or six trailer loads in there and you know chuck some straw in and say i'll come back to them in march the dynamic of actually saying right we're going to we're going to do this properly because our customer base people who buy our potatoes expect a certain specification not only of growth and what's been treated on the crop but the product the end product has got to be stored to this criteria i'm assuming yeah yeah that's correct i think it's it's another skill set and it's another it's a it's another way that you can be valued as a potato grower Hmm. so if you can grow the crop and store the crop and supply your customer when they want them to be supplied as opposed to just at harvest time then it's another strength to your bow what do you do have have like i don't know i'm 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 guessing you do you have a a number of sales that you do on the farm gate like the old you know it's five pound a bag boy i'll have a five in my pocket or do you sell it all to one person or do you have a tactic of you know what's your thinking behind your selling process what do you do without Um, you know give us give us what you want to give us on that but you know names can be mentioned or yeah sure your Uh, thinking is what i'm after 
Well, I currently sell all my potatoes to a company called Lamb Weston. Okay. And they are a big producer of frozen potato products. Okay. So that's chips and other things you make in potatoes that you can okay. stick in a freezer. And I've been growing for them now for over 10 years. Before that time, I sold most of my potatoes into the crisping market. Mm-hmm. So I've made a shift from crisping into frozen potato products. So, And, and the dynamic of how do, do both companies trade in a similar way or you know the ones you're selling to now obviously the, you, the the ones that you feel treat you best what is mm. the what is their secret do they say right this is our formula sign up or don't or do they give you options on yeah it? no it's a good question i mean typically potato buyers and processing businesses will set a price and you accept the price and you sell your tonnage and you sign up to a contracted tonnage and hopefully if your potatoes meet the mark then you will sell your tonnage and they pay you the price. Lamb Western are quite unique in the relationships they have with their suppliers. They have several ways of dealing with their suppliers and often depending on the supplier's appetite for risk. Now risk is such a huge part of potato growing, particularly if you're a big potato grower. It can all go horribly wrong, mm-hmm. um, and often that can be out of your control and due to the weather. So being able to mitigate some risk, I think, is... And for each individual grower to work out how much risk they're prepared to take is, is a, I think, is a helpful way to do business. So you have choices, is the point, and you can say, right, I'm going to do 20% that way and 80% that way, or I'm going to go all down this route. Is that, is that, are you allowed a bit of each, or do they say... Or do they just... I mean, they always sound like they work with you. They do. They do, yes. I don't know whether you can have a choice of different contracts. I, I have a certain way of doing it myself with mm-hmm. Lamb Weston, and I know there are different other ways of doing it. Okay. So they work on having a very close relationship with each, each in of the, their suppliers. In the end, it's your choice is what you're saying. Yeah, which is right. Which yeah. is the important issue, isn't it? Yeah. You know, I, I started this conversation, I think, saying something like, I know my place. The reason I said that is because your potatoes, if you planted an, a hectare of potatoes and they failed, it costs you a gargantuan amount of money, doesn't it, relative to cereals, relative to other yeah. stuff. And if it succeeds, you cover all those very expensive costs and there's a much better net profit at the end of it. Potatoes is the profitable aspect to your farm. That's right, yes. And it, and it all depends on your how deep your pockets are, your yeah. appetite for risk. So the reason I get on well with Lamb Western is because there's some risk share. It allows me to be confident as a large potato grower that if, if the weather does go badly against us, then I'm not left... They've, they've the committed to paying some of those costs. Yeah, correct. That's, well, that's that's great. That's that is. I like to hear that. And for that, that for that, we we sacrifice some of the potential upside. Yeah, but it gives, in my opinion, it gives us a more sustainable business. Well, the risk is great when you get when it goes your way. Yeah. You know, you go and buy a Ferrari, and then the next year you have to sell it because you haven't got any money because you've just blown it all away with, with, with worthless potatoes because there's too many of them or whatever the dynamic is. You know, if you gear your farm to thinking about potatoes first, which is what you have to do as if you've chosen to be a potato grower, the break crop becomes cereals, doesn't it? You know, and, yeah. you know I, I joke. I mean, you, you, you grow significant uh, volumes of, of cereals, and I think that, you know, so on the dynamic of that you also uh, you know you have you're one of our store members at the, at the central store mm. so so largely it's clear to me that isn't your biggest focus but you do it and you know confidently you can't really compare the the level of risk on cereals can you with potatoes at all not really no because it's you know how, how often how often do you get a rejection from grain or from wheat from I feed wheat October, I, I, yeah. 
brilliant you are. What, did, you, did everybody hear that? Did everybody hear that? Like, I can't remember having had a rejection from Feed Wheat, which is our predominant it. cereal. This is the bit where I pay him the cash. This is, look, uh, there's lots of farmers, isn't there, who go, what? They get rejected every six minutes because it's, right. it's the golden moment in grain trading where some people, and I say some, have, you know, there it is. Oh, I'm pray that's not quite up to spec, sir. I'm going to have to call it Feed and charge you some money for not supplying. And there's all sorts of miseries that occur mm. some years, yeah. depending on price. Yeah, no, thanks, Tobes. I love that. <laughs> no <laughs> okay, rejections. that's my doing pitch. Yeah, no rejections here. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, to be fair to you, Andrew, as well, with our malting barleys, we don't suffer rejections. Yeah. You well, that's, that's, that's as much to do with the kind of cooperative ethos that we run it by, isn't it? We put it into store, and sometimes some of it is, is out of spec. And if it went to a Molster Direct, it would be feed. And if it yeah. went to certain merchants with stores, it would be feed. Uh, it might not be feed, really, but that's what, the, that's what mm. it, officially, it's outside the spec. If you do have, you know, 8,000 tonnes of craft delivered to your store, and... The average nitrogen of it is 1.6 nitrogen. Within that bulk, there is some 1.34 nitrogen, and there's some 1.9 nitrogen. To the purist, that's not acceptable. But in reality, in every single field, there is that much variance in nitrogen. It yeah. just is a fact. Our job as a store, just like you with potatoes, is to be professional in putting the two things together. So the delivery that goes to the monster is 1.6 nitrogen. Yeah. And with yeah. a fallback to 1.65 yeah. or whatever. And and so, yeah, the reason you've never, you don't get rejections is because, yes, you have had stuff outside spec. It does get less money than the stuff at the top spec. But by everybody inadvertently not being aware of this, possibly, but everybody's goes into a central heap, which is effectively cooperation. It's just no one knows they're cooperating. Yeah. Sure, yes, exactly. So if we have malting barley that we're worried about, then we send it down to the Hmm. the store and it gets separated out into whichever sort of quality bins you have. If it's a minger, it's a minger. It's going to go in the feed bin. Yeah. The real irony of this last harvest was the malting barley, the winter malting barley that went into store and got accepted as malting. And it's like that, it's like that advert on TV where the man from Del Monte, he said, yes, you know, that it's accepted into the contract. That everyone's realised oh, in the malting bin. Oh, I'm so brilliant. Oh, that's great. The malting guys got a price, you know, uh, let's say a one point, I don't know, eight, five nitrogen turned up against the contract we had for malting barley. And it had a nitrogen fallback on it, which took the price down to something like 150, which at harvest time was a dream, you know, it was like the spot price was 130 for that mm. product. Uh, so it was a really good contract price, but the feed barley, the stuff that failed and ended up in the feed bin, we kind of shoved it in there and closed our eyes and didn't forget about it, but you know, what the hell, we might, we're not going to sell at this rubbish price for now, we'll wait. And it got through to the spring and, it, and we've been trading at 160. Yeah, so right. the feed barley guys yeah. got more money than some of the malting barley guys, which with the benefit of hindsight, we wouldn't have bothered with dicking around with malting barley at all. But yeah. Yeah, you know, that's you know. Sometimes that I'll recount that story in the future when someone gets tipped in the feed and say, you know, sometimes you'll win. Although yeah. statistically, probably this year's knocked them off for a few more years before it happens again. Yeah, who, who knows? Yeah, and 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 we've made the choice not to specialise in grain storage. Mm. The only grain store I had, I converted into a potato store. Yeah, so, so you centralise the storage, and yeah, and and I, you know, I, I, it suits us. The cooperative store at Aylsham in Cantley suits us and mm. because we're f- very focused on spuds. It allows us any hassles that we may have with grain get taken care of for us. Yeah, you haven't had any weevil either, have you? Or no, we haven't. Bugs. No, no, exactly. No. So th- th- there have been weevil and bugs because every yeah. grain store occasionally has them. But once you're in a central store, that cost is nothing to do with you. It's the responsibility of the store. Just like your potatoes are. If, it, yeah. if they have frozen in there 
prior to being processed or whatever yeah. whatever you do wrong if, if ever yeah. it happens you know you've taken responsibility for that and that's worth the premium i guess that you get paid for it yeah and and back to you know spuds versus grain we certainly over the years had our fair share of rejections of spuds and that can be a very very painful experience well, rejections um, of anything are painful, but yes, it's can you? Well, they can become almost worthless. Yeah, can yeah. you? Can you actually? Old, you know, if you someone finds something black heart or something, is that something? Black heart is a thing, isn't it? And it was uh, that black dot, I think. Black dot, whatever it is, you know, it's like <laughs> I think the Long John Silver. Heart, but it, so you you have something in the potatoes that someone's found. Can you then riddle them out? Do you have to actually actively then try and process them and and and? hand pick or how do you how do you get around it depends on on your customer and what they're trying to do with it and what the problem is mm. with lamb western the vast majority of the time we don't grade out of store we just load straight into the lorries and then any grading is dealt with at the factory which is a huge help to us and and a massive trust and and a massive trust so. and and also a unique thing that lamb western do is they they can blend they have a series of bins at the factory. And so if, if we have a slightly distressed, slightly out of spec crop, they can blend it with... Well, that's the same as... A, that's exactly yeah, the same crop. Exactly. That sounds like a Which really... I think is fairly unique in the potato yeah. processing Listen, industry. The, I, I take the mickey out of grain traders. The, the, the potato trade over the years... There were some potato traders when I was a lad at Dalgetty's. There's a group of guys... What was his name? Mer- Mervyn Kingsley. And my mate Tony Rother, who was sort of a, an understudy to them. They was... Well, I mean, they just, you know, wore Stetson hats and rode horses. They were seriously like, whatever, next. You know, mm. some of the rejections. and oh, I, From what I could see, it was just... It was seriously dodgy ground. Oh, I think there have been some very unscrupulous practices in the potato industry over the years. I, th- I think yeah. there's less of that going on now. Yeah. Sort of the old merchant days, you know, have largely come to an end. Yeah, I... I, I hope so. But even so, I've still seen, if you time going to see a potato farmer just at the point when he's got four lorries on the road and the first one's been rejected for something, and, you know, the mood is tense. We'll oh, it's it a grim tense. place to be. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, you know, all, all I can say is I feel in a good place now. Yeah, no, it sounds, it sounds a really strong relationship. It's I've, strong. Been, I've been in very difficult relationships in the past, yeah. and, and I feel in a good place now. And I've been around long enough to be able to understand what a good relationship is and what a poor well, relationship isn't, isn't is. That in the end, what you you know, here we are in our fifties. We're going to get our jab. You know, poor old boys with the oldest people in the office. You know, not quite on walking sticks, but you know, you're fitter than I am as usual, Toby. But it's like not too out of condition. But we've learned something along the way. You know, some of the angsty, tense moments of your youth. Yeah, relationships are everything, aren't they? I think so. And being a farmer or being in business, the relationships that you've generated over the years, finding people you trust, finding people you get on well with. It's to me, it's not about making as much money as possible. No. I don't think that's the key issue. Well, we've all met those guys, haven't we, who are on the make all the time. Every single thing they do is like, make a buck, make a buck. And you kind of think, oh, I really want to be dealing with him forever. I yeah. don't think I'll ever win. Yeah. I think it's about having a good, steady business that makes sense that has it risk risk under control yeah. that can do a budget and largely stick to its budget and not necessarily trying to make the most money. Yeah, um, well, it's about you, sustainability. You want Lamb Weston on your potatoes and doing grain on your grain to make a profit. 
there's no benefit whatsoever to you if they don't, is there? You don't, you don't, you know, it's important that they're successful, I would suggest. Absolutely. It, the partnership is sound on the basis, as long as you're getting treated well and fairly, and they are making a comfortable, fair margin, you know, Lamb Weston, yeah, good luck to them. You, there's, there's no, you know, I want a bit more out of them coming from you at all. It's like a balance, isn't it? Which, I, yeah. as I say, I come back to kind of age experience and feeling like you're missing out seems to somehow dissipate doesn't it It, it, I don't feel like I miss out anymore yeah yeah absolutely right And and I think no matter who you're doing business with and who your relationship is with there's got to be something in it something in it for everybody and and if everybody understands that then you're all going to be in a good place it's when people get greedy and people start to squeeze and the relationship gets difficult that's when Mm. perhaps you're in the wrong relationship so over the years, yeah, and certainly my relationship with you, Andrew, I don't think I've ever got on the phone to you and said, you need to better that by 50p, Andrew. No, you haven't, no. <laughs> no, no. I, yeah. uh, because, you know, that's that's what I think. I give you my grain because I... Trust. You trust. I trust you. Uh, and I think your marketing advice if, generally is usually quite if good. I, if I add you over a barrel at any point, you're going to find out. That's my mentality. Too. There's no point in doing it. Why would you do that? Why would you do that? If you've got someone who grows fantastic malting barley every single year and we've got really tight specs to meats to molsters, why on earth wouldn't you keep that bloke keep coming in the door to make sure you've got the barley to supply your customer? We've ended up with contracts with, with molsters because we have a consistent supply of really yeah. good malting barley. And the two, it's a complete union of everybody wins out of it. Yeah. Okay, so, so one, while we're on the potato subject, we'll just, just come back to that, the, a final question on potatoes, Toby. I'm, I'm not really aware of this as a, as a mere cereal person, but there is an issue going on with water. Do you want to talk me through that? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the Environment Agency are targeted with making sure that we live within a good environment and that our waterways, our rivers are functioning ecologically as well as always flowing to. is that what you mean by that yeah that's right and and that you know the flora and fauna is is as it should be and mm-hmm. of course we all want that and there are various issues with there's something called the water framework directive which is coming down the road in a few years time and who, who's bringing that in this is the government defra it's defra and okay. um but then the environment agency are the sort of agency that talk to the extractors to get the, everything in balance and it's it's a big issue that we as local potato growers and local land owners who own abstraction licenses are going to have to face because in catfield there's they've they've been they've stopped have they been stopped from extracting water yeah that's right they a, a license there was revoked yeah and and that was a fairly well very badly fought campaign of I haven't really followed it, but it, you know, it's about one one inch water level, water table. Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you, there are some very strict parameters right. and very strict ecological measurements which have to be adhered to according to environmental law. And at that site, it was deemed that that wasn't being met. And the environment agency have the power to revoke those licenses so up here if someone came along and that with their measuring stick and said your water table's got to be here yeah you- correct so so there are various parameters that are set that we as farmers and abstractors don't understand particularly well on our own local catchments mm-hmm. and it's up to us to understand those parameters much better as this comes under closer scrutiny or we're going to find more and more of our licensed water being taken away from us and it's it's a huge issue for us i don't think we've properly got our heads around it yet as a local abstracting community what we need also is to get to a point where where it isn't 
by the people who make the laws. It's not just considered the correct thing to get the environment in the right place, but that that is combined with the need to keep people in business, the need mm. to keep people in jobs, and the need to keep a healthy local economy. I mean, it's a very emotive subject if an irrigator is going in a very hot period where there's just been declared a hosepipe ban, isn't it? Yeah. And people cannot understand why on earth, how can that farmer can waste that water or whatever they think you're doing with it. Yeah, it is. And farmers have to play their part in that. Mm. We need to be careful that... But you, can't, we, you can't alter the fact that it's, it's dry and you've got to water them and you've got to water them. And, and, yeah. and so there's general public who like nice cheap potatoes in the supermarket trying to he's good, look at him. Yeah, correct. But we, we also need to be careful we're not watering roads and you know and not doing things that don't look good to the public so we need to play our part in that but fundamentally I, th- I think the big shift that we need to try and create is this everyone agrees that we need a healthy ecology but we also need a healthy local economy and it's trying to get the shift the perception with the powers that be that just taking away licenses isn't is, isn't, the problem, isn't the best way of dealing with this problem no. that because Jobs are important and the local economy is important. And so if we can marry the two, we can find the ecological solutions at the same time as preserving business. Then that's the message that we've got to somehow get across to politicians and the people who make the rules up. That is the goal. PR is everything. I mean, you know, we've just seen a PR interview with Meghan and Harry this last week. PR is king, isn't it? Pardon the pun. uh, It's a very important part of what we do. And, and, you know, back to water, again, mm. if we're going to appeal to, to the powers that be or the public that we need water f- for our businesses to be successful, then we've got to show that we're absolutely on board with the, with the environmental thing yeah. and that we, we are doing everything we possibly can to enhance the environment. Yeah, yeah. Um, which, and, and which so again, we, we, can't, we can't fight it. No. We have to embrace it. Yes, which is what you should be doing. And hope that at the same time they might embrace us. And yeah, that they might embrace us back. It, absolutely, it is PR. You need, yeah. you know, and this is a podcast, Toby, so we, you know, can't see your handsome face on it. But you need the face of farming out there that that people really, really respond to. Your Jamie Oliver type individual from the farming community. You got that the guy Adam Henson on. On he's quite popular, but uh, on Country File, you need more of that. Absolutely under the skin of everybody. Absolutely, mm. yeah. Okay, I think I think we've we've covered a fair bit of ground, haven't we? Any more? Anything I missed on potatoes? Not that I can think of. And here you are, fifty odd, fifty one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know what happens? How long? How long are you going to put up with this? You're going to keep doing this until you're sort of uh, seventy five, like lots of proper old Norfolk farmers? Well, that's a big question, isn't it? Day by day, I don't know. I mean, I, my message to my children is: live your lives, do what you like. You don't have to be a farmer if you don't want to. And that's what, you know, they're, they're, they're in their late teens and early 20s and that's what they're doing. Great. We don't talk about farming. They're not that interested at the moment. One day when they have to pay some bills and pay a mortgage, <laughs> they might become interested, but there's no pressure for me. It's always a great moment. Yeah. And in the meantime, you know, I enjoy farming. I enjoy what I do and will carry on doing it for as long as I can do it, I would have thought. Yeah, no, I, I, I get that. You know, there's no, there's, uh, you know, rumours of my demise are uh, greatly exaggerated. I yeah, think. exactly. Anyway, <laughs> Toby, that's the end of our marathon session. I hope we've covered all grand and thank you so much for being our first live guest again. Thank you for the interview. It's been, it's been great and always nice to talk to you. Cheers. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to get new episodes as they are released and follow us on Twitter. We are at Dewing Grain. 
Call Dewing Grain on 01263 731 or email info at dewinggrain.co.uk. The Dewing Grain podcast is produced by East Coast Design Studio in Norwich.